fourth watch starts now. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight, we're going to be looking at an interesting aspect of the music industry and the stars that make it up. The angle we'll be investigating is directly connected to mediums, sorcery, witchcraft, and Luciferianism. This is definitely a controversial discussion that needs to be had. So be sure to listen with an open mind. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of the Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Sorcerers of the New Age with special guest Joe Schimmel. I should probably start off tonight by saying that music has always been a big part of my life. I've always been drawn to good music, or at least the music that sounded good to me. I'm sure my parents would tell you that I haven't always liked good music. (laughs) But the fact is, I've witnessed the supernatural energy that would permeate through my headphones as I listen to the music. And I also experienced the type of supernatural energy that would permeate the crowds at the rock concerts. And I've always had people warning me that the types of music that I liked were satanic, whether it be rock and roll or gangster rap. And you can go ahead and laugh, ladies and gentlemen, I listened to gangster rap before I got saved. But as funny as it sounds, it's really not a laughing matter. I was allowing dirty and satanic lyrics into my head, and they influenced me into a sinful lifestyle. But I never actually realized that many of the artists that I listened to were actually involved in occult practices, and some of them even worshipped Lucifer directly. I knew that the music was worldly, but would have never thought that it went any deeper than that. But the truth of the matter was that I had been exposed to satanic rituals in the music that I'd been listening to. And many demonic forces for many years had been oppressing me unknowingly. I'll never forget getting turned on to a documentary called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. It absolutely changed my life. I never looked at music the same. It went deep into the artists and the rock stars by name. And it quoted them, and it exposed their black magic practices, their Lucifer worship, their New Age agendas, and even their plans to seduce and brainwash the world through music. And this went back even into the times of the Beatles, and even your beloved Elvis Presley. What was so mind-blowing was that it basically exposed the most famous music performers as being sorcerers, bewitching people through satanic ritual-induced music and even channeling demons to write and perform their songs. This was back in 2004 when this film was originally released. Now, here we are 11 years down the timeline, and I've been seeing this growing and progressing into even more blatant public acts of witchcraft as each year passes. Most of you are familiar with Madonna, Katy Perry, Nicki Minaj, even Beyonce, all performing satanic rituals on stage and bewitching their audiences. But did you know that Led Zeppelin and many others were doing the very same thing? Did you know that the MTV Music Awards are generally set up as a hierarchy of satanic rituals to be broadcasted into homes across the world? 
How about the time Jack Black got up on stage and he led all of the audience into a prayer to Satan? He had them hold hands and bow their heads as he prayed to the devil. You see, Satan is the base of the music industry. And I have been a mark for years. I'll admit it. I was a mark being influenced and guided by these sorcerers of the new age. When I first came to Christ 11 years ago, I still listened to certain artists that I thought were okay. But when I watched They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll 10 years ago, my mind was blown and I had to make major decisions right then and right there. This film was made by a man by the name of Joe Schimmel of Good Fight Ministries and his ministry had a huge impact on me and even my ministry. His website is goodfight.org. That's G-O-O-D-F-I-G-H-T dot O-R-G, goodfight.org. And not only does Joe operate the Good Fight Ministries, but he also pastors Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California. And tonight it is with great excitement that I get to welcome Joe Schimmel onto the fourth watch. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and go to the line with Joe Schimmel. Joe, welcome to the fourth watch. How are you tonight? Doing great. It's great to be with you, Justin. I'm glad to be on with you. Praise God, bro. Man, praise God. This is so cool because I've been a fan of your work and just I see the fruits of your ministry. I've seen the fruits of your ministry for years. And it's it's a blessing and an honor to be able to, to join hands right now and to be able to do this interview on the fourth watch. Um, I woke up to some of your documentaries on the rock and roll music industry. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And obviously, so much has happened since you made They Sold Their Soul for Rock and Roll. And so there's there's so much more now. So I'm really looking forward to having you break down some of the things that are going on um, with what you call the sorcerers of the new age. Um, and, and I think that's a good title. So wh- why don't you tell us why you chose that title for one series of your DVDs? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Uh, right now, our latest versions have been called They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. Uh, but early on, uh, our first uh, version that we actually produced in mass was called Rock and Roll Sorcerers of the New Age Revolution. And back in those days, that's when uh, more Christian leaders were talking about the New Age movement. Uh, the New Age movement be- became the title of basically, you know, Satanism, the occult. I uh, mean, go to the bookstore and you'd have the occult section of the bookstore. And, you know, you'd have Nostradamus, you'd have all these other, uh, you know, magicians and sorcerers and esotericists and all these people pushing practices like in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12 that are blacklisted, that are, uh, that it would condemn you in scripture, occult practices, and they co- and then they changed the name to the New Age. So uh, all of a sudden, it was opening. You know, certainly claimed you know had a couple uh, TV, TV shows back in the 80s on on the, on the New Age movement where she's promoting it and became very vogue. It's actually the religion of Hollywood right now. It's a new spirituality. And uh, well, the Bible, Jesus said that false prophets during just part of the Antichrist would be talking about. Uh, this coming new age, you know, the time is drawing near, and a false kingdom, a counterfeit kingdom, and the Bible says the mystery of iniquity is already at work, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, even the first century, and even as, even as the Lord Jesus had John the Baptist and the prophets paving the way for him, uh, the Antichrist has this spirit of Antichrist paving the way for him. So we're, it's not just, the music is very, very important to examine, and we examine it in light of being a harbinger of the coming Antichrist, and uh, we give many, many examples for that. We show there's an actual movement that you can document afoot because, uh, it, you know, the way Satan uses music and so forth. And it's interesting because I was actually invited to speak at a New Age conference in the mountains. It was like a three-night thing, and we went in there 
uh, you know, the enemy comes into our churches as wolves in sheep's clothing. You got to be aware of them. But we went as sheep, <laughs> not really wolves clothing, but we went as sheep. Uh, and we and we we had the name already, uh, Rock and Roll Source of New Age Revolution. We just call it Spirit Bean Music and the New Age Revolution. And I did presentations. Uh, it, it, there were like 25 people or so that introduced their topic. And when I introduced my topic, and I talked about how uh, spirit beings are using popular artists today to usher in the new age. There was all kinds of applause and excitement uh, beyond what anybody had received because people were so excited about that subject. Then they came to my seminar, and at the first hour and a half, I, you know, I think I did like a two-hour seminar for them, or the first hour and 15 minutes, I just documented it. But I didn't show them it was satanic at that point, just that these spirits were using people, and the documentation is so thick, uh, their eyes are like, yeah, wow, this is really happening. But then I began to show them where these spirits that are using them are aligned with Satan, and they're demonic. They're actually prophesied to come, in, 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 biblically speaking, and that Satan was a fallen angel, uh, and is a fallen angel, and that he's associated with uh, music. Then I, you know, I showed them that, hey, look at all these artists we've been documenting uh, that admit they're in touch with the spirit world. For instance, you know, uh, uh, one after another, I mean, I showed, you know, John Lennon, uh, talking about how he, when he writes, it's like being possessed and talks about how one spirit enters his body like a temple, then it leaves and another one replaces it and so forth. And, and I, you know, the, the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, their, their main writer, I mean, Rolling Stones wrote, you know, Sympathy for the Devil. What are they? The album's like their satanic majesty's request. And Keith Richards says he has four or five demons in him. And when they write their song, it's like they stick their finger in the air and they, the songs come in mass and they channel them. And so I began to show years back that there was this trend. But when you go to the scripture, you see that Satan is associated with music because uh, in Ezekiel 28, he says he was created with tabrets in him. Uh, Isaiah 14, it says when he, uh, in his demise, when he's cast out of the pit and they look at him, the, the kings and those who have already been thrown into the pit before him into hell, say, is this the one who deceived us? He's weak like us now, but it says he's brought down and his musical instruments are brought down with him. And then in Revelation chapter 4, it says very clearly that the anointed cherub, or I'm sorry, the cherubim, uh, that are, they're praising God with, with string instruments. Well, Satan is called the anointed cherub who profaned his sanctuaries. Sanctuaries are places of worship. Uh, and many uh, scholars, many theologians believe he was the worship leader in heaven. He wasn't content to be the worship leader. He wanted to be God and be worshipped. And that's why he told Jesus, you know, bow down and worship me and all these will be thine. And that's after, according to Luke 4, he showed Jesus a vision of all the kingdoms of the earth. And uh, he has power and he tried to get Jesus to submit to him for that power. And we show in our video that's exactly what's going on is Satan has offered power to uh, people that were basically nobodies in the world and musical power. Music as demons possess people. They sing to people. They channel them. And we document this over and over again. Various artists talking about how spirits use them. You know, uh, even their voices can change. Uh, we, to, to, you know, we bring it up into the modern days now. And uh, it's interesting because we were able to document, Justin, as you've seen in our videos, that there's a man by the name of a Satanist by the name of Aleister Crowley, the most highly regarded Satanist of the last century. And he was a Satanist organizer who uh, would crucify a frog, and grab a frog and crucify it and say, Lo, Jesus, I, Satan, have you under my power. Uh, and uh, he's a wicked man, called the wickedest man on the earth by the press of his day. Uh, he was into pedophilia, uh, different, uh, Kenneth Anger, the co-founder of the Church of Satan, along with Alfred Kinsey, we have a video called the Kinsey Syndrome, and we document this. They went to Crowley's uh, sex temple uh, that was shut down uh, by the Italians who pushed him out of Italy because he's 
you know, it's from the UK. Uh, and they took off the whitewash from the walls and found all kinds of what they called action pictures. This would be Kinsey and, and kind of anger of, of the pedophilic type orgies with adults and, and boys, you know, he was a pervert, a sexual pervert, even talked about sacrificing, uh, children. Uh, the, the greatest sacrifice he said was a baby boy of great intelligence who released the most power. He talked about committing several sacrifices himself. Uh, now some followers of Crowley say, Oh, Crowley wasn't a Satanist. You know, Crowley himself said he was brought up in the Plymouth brethren, uh, religion and his dad was an evangelist. And he said, he admits that he, you know, was nicknamed by his mom, the beast and, to the day he died, he was signing his name, the Beast 666, and he said he wanted to get hold of Satan personally and become his his chief of staff. Mm. Uh, so he was definitely a Satanist, but his philosophy was do what thou wilt, which was antithetical to scriptural teaching where we're told by Jesus, you know, uh, to, do, to do the will of the Father. And Jesus himself said, you know, to pray, uh, your will be done. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, Jesus said, you know, the Father, not not my will, but your will be done. Thank God he did that. Cause if, if he didn't submit to the will of the father, you know, and die on the cross for us, we could be saved. But Satanism is antithetically opposed to that truth. And it's about being your own God and doing your own will. And what we document through our presentation is so many of the top artists. And we're not talking fringe artists. We're not talking about just heavy metal artists, you know, like Marilyn Manson and Iron Maiden who are all in the Crowley as well or even Ozzy Osbourne singing Mr. Crowley, and, you know, you waited on Satan's call and so forth. But we look at artists like, for instance, the Beatles, the biggest band of all time, and you see Crowley at the top left of Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band, one man over from the top left, and they said they put their heroes up there. Uh, and John Lennon, before he died, said their whole Beatle philosophy was, do what thou wilt, quoting Lester Crowley, and then saying, if, you know, as long as you don't hurt anyone. But he was quoting Crowley, that, that old you know, King James English there. Uh, we showed Jim Morrison, the biggest American band in the 60s was The Doors. And you see the Jim Morrison on their album 13 and the rest of the doors huddled around a bus of a Lester Crowley. You know, wonder Jim Morrison would sing about breaking on through to the other side and cancel my subscription to the resurrection, send my credentials to the house of detention, which obviously would be a reference to hell. Uh, so on and on, we showed through the 60s, the 70s, uh, Zeppelin, the biggest band of the 70s by far, uh, the runoff Matrix, um, Led Zeppelin 3. Uh, one side of the album was So Mote Be It, which was a spell, uh, which is a term used for spells. And the other side on the runoff Matrix and Led Zeppelin 3 is Do What Thou Will. Mm-hmm. And we show Jimmy Page practicing Crowley's satanic magic on stage at Madison Square Garden for A Song Remains the Same, uh, the biggest uh, rock video of the time and kind of the, the harbinger of uh, what became MTV. We show him going to the four points of the compass with his his uh, violin bow uh, as he's, you know, and doing exactly what Crowley said counterclockwise to invoke Satan. And we show that he bought Crowley's mansion overlooking Loch Ness, a Bolstein, and, and he opened up a bookstore called the Equinox, and, and which because uh, he said he couldn't find a, a, a good enough cult bookstore in all of England. And, and he said big names aren't made today through, you know, the, the, the belief of ready, steady, go, but through practicing the magic of a lesser Crowley. And Crowley's magic had been summed up in his book, Magic on the Inner Flap, as uh, being part and parcel of contacting demons. So we're looking at the biggest artists becoming incredibly popular through spiritism, through Satanism, and we, and we bring it all the way through the 80s, Sting and various other artists talking about Crowley and Hollow Notes and, and, and on and on, and the biggest artist of all time. And then, uh, we, we, you know, Michael Jackson 
saying that he has a room full of mirrors and, and he contacts spirits and he, you know, he walks backwards, the moon walks. Those are all teachings of Crowley. And he contact, he claimed to be in the spirit world and that sounds like we are the world, which has come all at once. And, and that he was the one that wrote them. And, and what are the messages of those songs? And do they fit scripture? And they do only in this way. Uh, the world system is getting together under the spirit of Antichrist. And we are not the children of the world, which that song sings about. And that song even says, you know, as Jesus turned stones into bread. Well, Jesus never turned stones into bread. In fact, uh, that's what Satan tried to get him to do, to give him his allegiance. Um, but I just want to say we, we've just documented and what happened when you had a lot of these new artists like, you know, Beyonce and others, uh, I looked, I thought, wow, you know what? This trend of following Crowley, pushing Satanism, pushing the occult, uh, being possessed by spirits, channeling them, and purporting messages that are anti-Christ has been a theme all along. But now you've got this new genre of artists like Beyonce, you know, then later Katy Perry and so forth. And where it seems like they're just singing about, you know, uh, love type themes, romance themes, and, and, and casual sex to a degree. And it was like, and I looked, I thought, Interesting because these these gals have kind of taken the world by storm, and are we going to see the same satanic theme? And sure enough, Justin, uh, there it is. I mean, it's all over. We we're updating our video right now, and we have uh, clips on on YouTube that have uh, of say, for instance, uh, uh, Kesha, uh, which is I think nearing a million or so, or I think just hit over a million, uh, Beyonce over a million views and so forth, where we show the same, the same trend. Uh, Beyonce, for instance, we show her in interviews, uh, because after she played the Super Bowl, uh, we show her, you know, flashing the, the devil horns and stuff. And I'm not the devil horns, I'm sorry, the eye in the triangle, uh, which is popularly used. First, we show Lester Crowley, whose followers used the eye in the triangle symbol because it was popular with them. We show that that was a Crowleyan we show Anton LaVey, the leader of the Church of Satan, using the eye in the triangle in his ritual chamber. Uh, and it was the devil horns that were being used, but now many of the rappers are, are, are holding up the, the, the triangle and, and putting their eye in it and so forth. And, uh, and some say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's supposed to be a diamond. Well, we document, we show, uh, even in Jay-Z, who's rock aware, was the most popular apparel for rappers, we show that he often uh, equates it with the eye in the triangle in his rock where you'll see the triangle with the eye in it. And it's interesting because uh, it goes beyond that. There's, as you're familiar with the Baphomet, Justin, which is the, you know, androgynous creature, uh, half man and woman and, and goat, actually, as well, and used with the upside-down triangle and the horns. And we show Beyonce with a, a huge Baphomet ring. I mean, it's not just a regular-sized ring. It's like three or four times the size of a regular ring, and she wears that Baphomet ring on stage with a goat's head. It's very clear it's a goat's head. Oh, yeah, head. and she wears it on the middle <laughs> finger, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, well, it, it, you look at that ring, and it's not and it's something anybody would actually wear unless they're trying to make a statement. And we show her with a Baphomet, not just with the ring. We show her with a, uh, with a motorcycle, in front of a motorcycle that's kind of like a piece of armor in front of her, and it's deliberately a you know, Baphomet goat head. And what's she doing? What's, well, we show an interview with her with, uh, on BET, and she talks about when she was singing. Uh, she said, I really couldn't hit certain notes, and I really couldn't sing a certain way until one time on stage, a spirit entered into my body. You know, Sasha Fierce, uh, she calls it. That's interesting to use the term fierce, because in the Bible it talks about demon possession. It talks about a fierce spirit entered the body, you know. And she named this thing Sasha Fierce, 
And she says when this entity takes over her body, and she says it actually came into her body. She didn't say, oh, it's just simply an alter ego and that's it. She went beyond that. She said it entered into her body and changed the way she sang and so forth. And what millions and millions of professing Christians don't know, uh, when they're not making a distinction between that which is good and evil, because many are babes in Christ and, and, they, and they just turn this stuff on, and the Bible warns us not to seek after mediums over and over again. And these are mediums. And when we listen to their music, we're really often being moved by music that's from the enemy and so forth. In fact, Jay-Z, her husband, we show him in that video with a hoodie on with a, his you know, black uh, jacket on and their blazing across the chest is, do what thou wilt. That's Beyonce's husband. It's the same spirit, the same uh, deal has been going on for a long time. And with the new artists, we're in the process, it's good timing, perhaps for you to, to uh, interview me as well, Justin, because uh, we're in the process right now of updating our video uh, and get showing, you know, not only uh, the uh, newer artists, but uh, splashing a lot of the older artists in so the young people can see that this is not just happening now. This has been a movement that's been happening uh, for decades. It's just what's happening now is those who are considered, you know, teeny bopper, innocent musicians before the masses are involved in the same spirit. And it was that way prior as well, obviously with the Beatles and so forth. But uh, people that people, you know, people wouldn't expect. We show Kesha her song, Die Young. We have a whole video on that where she uses the, the, the devil card from the uh, tarot cards, which are forbidden in scripture, the occult. And she takes over a church and there's no cross now. There's just, uh, they, should, they put up a pentagram and the songs for her very popular song, Die Young. And they basically have an orgy in there, and, and she pulls out that card and holds it up, and they have some kind of a cult symbol on the ground that they're dancing in and what have you. And mm. at the end, you know, they have a run-in with the law enforcement, and there's this gun battle, and they go down. Satan does lose in the end. She rides up into that uh, scene before they take over this church and make it a satanic coven. Uh, she rolls up in a big black hearse with the word evil on it. Uh, and, you know, she wears an up. you know, we show her use upside-down crosses, even a good morning in America, I mean, you have all these little kids, four, five, seven, eight years old, with their parents to see Kesha. And, and there she is dancing, singing Die Young, and she's got an upside, upside down cross and blazing across her, you know, her torso. Uh, and it's like, wow, this is just so in your face. And it's so heartbreaking, Justin, because millions of Christians are, parents are allowing their kids to get into this stuff. And then they wonder why later, their children are immersed in, as they get older, and do occult activity. It want nothing to do with Jesus. Don't want to go to church anymore. And a lot of it is, and I, my heart breaks for them, but, and that's what we try to make parents aware of, that there's a real battle going on for your children's souls and, and your grandchildren and, and your soul. I mean, who, who do our hearts belong to? We want to make sure we belong to Jesus and that he's first in our lives and that we're pursuing uh, the things of the kingdom and things above. Well, you know, Joe, I have to say, I totally agree with what you're saying. And just like with the news, uh, you know, they have different flavors. And I went to school for broadcast and I was taught in school that the media is all controlled. And they told us up, up front, they said, if you want to go to work for the media, the media side of things, then it's all controlled, it's all scripted, and it's all basically in line with what the government wants people to believe. But they have different types of news because they know that ultra conservatives aren't going to watch CNN. And same thing with MS, uh, MSNBC. So what they do is they create different flavors in order to infiltrate all the households. You know, we're, we're now finding out that Fox has a Muslim, a, a Muslim is a part owner. And I mean, just all this crazy stuff. 
And it's the same thing with the music. And in the 90s, we saw the parental advisory sticker on all the albums uh, that had a lot of profanity in it. And so my parents were like, well, you can't have this because it's parental advisory. Well, now we've got all these artists like you're talking about. We've got like the Lady Gaga, the Beyonce. I mean, all these different Katy Perry. And because they don't have that sticker, they're singing to a happy beat. People let their little kids listen to this and dance to this. I've seen it in person. I've seen little kids shaking their butts to Beyonce. And that made me want to just throw up. I felt like I needed to start just rebuking. And that's what we're seeing right now. And so the kids are getting it. And we're even seeing an infiltration into the Christian realm. I mean, I remember the Toby Mac album. And I like Toby Mac. I've always thought his music was pretty good. But he came out with an album called Eye on It. And it's like the Illuminati eye symbol or the eye in the pyramid symbol. Um, he's got several different, and it's not blatant with the pyramid, but he does some similar things with the, with his fingers. And it's very much, it's almost like he's trying to mimic what the world is doing. Have you seen this? Yeah, he actually uh, also has a song called about where he sings, where he sings about the Illuminati. And he says Illuminati over and over again. And I'm not one of these guys who goes around saying, hey, everything's, the Illuminati's behind it because I believe the Bible says we wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rules of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. So I believe that, uh, you know, ultimately it's a spiritual realm that's using various people in government for sure, in entertainment, what have you. But the term Illuminati is used often as a reference to the occult and the occult powers that are behind it, uh, behind what's going on. And he uses that, uh, phrase Illuminati in a positive way. In one of his songs, which goes along with what you're saying uh, right here. Well, he also, and in that song, I know what song you're talking about. The the words he actually says, Illuminati coming through. Like, it's a good thing. Yeah, like, right. like how we That's as Christians, right. you know, we proclaim Jesus is coming through. He's going to return. Amen. You know, and he's proclaiming, right. you know, he's not talking about Jesus. He's saying Illuminati coming through. And uh, he got asked about this, uh, interestingly, and he says, oh, well, I don't know what it means. I, di- I didn't write the song. Okay, well, I'm sorry. As a Christian, you need to know what you're saying and what you're singing. And I think that was a cop out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, you and I both, Joe, we're we're both responsible for what we say. Uh, We both have an audience. And when we get up to speak, we are held accountable for what we say. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, In James chapter three, verse one, it says, you know, teachers will receive a stricter judgment. Uh, Ezekiel talked about how, you know, uh, you know, God warned him that to share the share the word or uh, the blood of those who are entrapped because you don't share the word, it's going to be on your head. And Paul applied that to himself in Acts 20, saying he didn't shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God, therefore he's free from the blood of all men. And uh, Hebrews 13 says that we'll give account. Uh, we give an account for the souls that, you know, and some will say, well, he's not a teacher. Yes, he is. The Bible says teach one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And he's influencing masses and those who claim to be Christian artists uh, will definitely be accountable and it's and Paul is concerned Ezekiel are concerned they're concerned about making sure they proclaim the whole counsel of God and that they don't leave anything out well Toby Mac is going beyond that he's not only not declaring the whole counsel of God when he does that but he's declaring the enemy's counsel and the, the enemy loves to use music because uh, Justin as you know music is having been immersed in it you know and then the Lord uh, speaking to your heart and and praise God, you make a decision, I want to better glorify God, and this music praises Him and, and, and glorifies Him. Uh, that's a safeguard to us, and, and music is a very powerful force because Satan wants to get the message, his messages in our hearts and, and the messages of our, our young people. And he can't just go up to them and say, hey, do you want to go to hell? But if he puts it to a jingle, for instance, we show in 
our video, they sold their soul to rock and roll. We show Madonna before tens of thousands of people. And she's singing, I'm going to ring my bell. You know, I'm going to go to hell. And she gets them repeating her uh, over and over again. And so you have thousands and thousands of people saying, I'm going to ring my bell. I'm going to go to hell. And that's something nobody in their right mind would say. But because she's a basically a, a, an idol for the world and, and she puts it to a, you know, a, you know, a chorus or what have you, a jingle that that's why, that's why advertisers spend millions and millions of dollars through the, the years, uh, getting jingles with their advertisements because they know it's effective. And, and we have two hemispheres of our brain. We have the left hemisphere and we have the right hemisphere. And I've looked at studies done by, you know, brain scientists, uh, neurologists and so forth in the brain. And I, I quote studies in our video, they sold their souls for rock and roll, like uh, uh, Pellegrino, who's a consultant for Billboard magazine, the premier music magazine. And he talked about how in 20 years, he can't do as much to change the brain as one simple song can, and how it has the uncanny uh, ability, music, to transform our brains. And I quote a study uh, in Newsweek that they, they talk about, where they talk about the brain is like a, uh, you know, uh, the frontal cortex, they talk about the, the I'm sorry, the, the lobe, and they talk about how the brain is like, you know, when you put a sponge in water and the sponge is transformed, that the brain in music is radically transformed. So no wonder Satan would use it. I mean, we teach kids the ABCs because we know it's a, through music, you know. The, uh, McDonald's, you know, I don't know if you're old enough, Justin, to remember the commercial where, you know, two all beef patties and special sauce and so forth. And I never even tried to memorize that, but the words are in my head because I grew up as a kid hearing that commercial. And, and a lot of times, like the left hemisphere of our brain is the cognitive part of the brain where we discern, uh, we judge, we, we, we weigh things out as to whether or not they're right or wrong, whether we're going to accept them. Uh, and the right side of our brain is that creative part of the brain. But before things get into the right side of the brain, they have to pass through that left side, which God gave us for discernment. It just so happens that music allows messages to bypass the left side of the brain because we don't look at the messages as critically as we ought to. And then we accept things that we, then our hearts and our brains are, are slowly transformed. And Jesus said, you know, um, what I mean, you know, treasures, he, he talked about what a man treasures, whether it's good or evil, comes out of the heart. And we've got to make sure we don't treasure evil thoughts and that we make sure we don't allow things that grieve the spirit or contrary to God to enter into our, our hearts. I mean, if someone started talking about sexually perverse stuff at the job and what have you, as a Christian and somebody's at the workforce, they're going to say, God, help me not to respond or not to laugh at that joke or what have you, and to be a good example, no matter what persecution comes, to shine the light of Christ. But then the same person will go home and, and they'll turn on the radio singing about the same kind of perversity uh, and what have you. And about in the same language, not think twice about it because so it's, it's acceptable if there's a beat and that's reprehensible to God. That's deception. And the scriptures warn about the priests in the old Testament, how they didn't make a distinction between that, which was holy and profane or that, which, which was between or that, between that, which was good and evil. And in the new Testament, God says he's given us apostles, prophecy, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfection of the saints and the work of the ministry. And it says, goes on to say that, you know, that we're no, that we're equipped for, you know, the work of service and what have you, and that we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but slay the men who, who lie in wait in darkness and what have you. So we're supposed to be, leadership is supposed to be warning the flock, make a distinction between good and evil. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 5, 
the author of Hebrews wants to go on to talk about uh, typology. But he says, I can't get into the meat because you're still babes and uh, you, you need to be, you know, teachers by now, but you're still babes. And he says, you can't, babes can't discern the difference between good and evil. And that's heartbreaking because you're, you see in the first century, they were struggling with a problem where there were many Christians who were still on milk. They were still banging their rattle up and down. And they may have been Christians five, 10, 20 years. And today it's even worse. You have Christians who've been in the faith for a long time and they haven't got very far beyond, uh, you know, John 3.16. They can't discern good in, between good and evil. And when you go on to read from Hebrews 5 to Hebrews 6, and it warns about falling away and what have you, it, it, it's, it's a warning in light of staying a baby, how you are in serious, you know, it, there's serious problems that can take place in your walk uh, if you don't, you know, put on the whole armor of God, if you don't, you know, uh, stand in the evil day. You know, so it's important that people know the difference between good and evil. And we put these videos out because we want parents to be aware for their own walks, young people, parents to teach their young people. Uh, and we've seen by the grace of God a lot of fruit, many, many testimonies. I mean, they come in all the time of salvation testimonies because uh, the objective is to use it to witness to the world that, hey, there's a dark, satanic world out there and you need deliverance through Jesus. And, you know, you've broken God's law and he's the only deliverance. He's the, the Savior who shed his blood for our sins. And then we also, of course, are trying to reach believers who are caught up in the snares of the devil and are wondering why their lives are, you know, they're defeated. And, and well, if you, you, oftentimes they aren't aware of it, but they're listening to music that is being energized by the demonic world. Oh, it is. And, and you made a great point. You know, I mean, the modern church, they come into this John 3.16 mentality, and, and I never would ever say anything to chip away at the value of John 3.16. But there's so much Amen. more than that. I mean, that's the door. That's understanding. That's the first step is understanding John 3.16. Um, you know, I went to a church, um, Joe, a while back, and I don't go there anymore, but I was very active in ministry there, and the pastor had gone out to be a missionary in Africa, so they brought in a new pastor. And his first message that he preached, he was re-preaching a Max Lucado message called John 3.16. And I about threw up in my mouth. I said, first of all, you're not even preaching a message God gave you. You are up here preaching a prefabbed message, probably from Lifeway Bookstore, which he was a a president of Lifeway, go figure. I left. I left. I said, I don't want to be here under a church that's going to be, first of all, using the NIV as the main source of, of, you know, scripture. But also they're teaching, you know, his first message was this prefab message he didn't even write. So, but the John 3.16, that's the problem is that people always just, it's like they just want to stick on John 3.16. There's no spiritual growth, you know, and we even saw the, the, the people from Willow, was it Willow Creek? Was that the, the big hippie yeah, Jesus the movement? Go Bible's church, huh? You know, and they came out later and said, you know, we made a mistake. We made a huge mistake because all these people that came in and quote unquote got saved, there's no spiritual growth. 15 to 20 years later, and all these new mega churches that are popping up everywhere, they're following that quote unquote model. And that's the no, problem. You make a great point. Yeah. You know, and, that's a great point. That was a study that they spent tens of thousands of dollars, I think over $100,000, uh, they didn't have to do the studies, they had to open the Bible, which says to, you know, all scripture is profitable and, and, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept, and, and preach the word in season, out of season. And, and they could have just went to scripture that says, preach the word, you know. And yeah, they were doing, they were just doing the elementary things of the faith. And their own studies showed that they were bankrupting the people at their church because they said, hey, we just want to give you the surface stuff. Unfortunately, 
they said, so our antidote, I remember reading the statement, and I was, at first I was like, praise God, they see that they need to go deeper, maybe there'll be repentance, you know, in this area. And they said, so we're going to go deeper and teach people about how, you know, about dominion, you know, the kingdom now. And uh oh, <laughs> so now the message is you're not going to scripture now. You're just going into this philosophy. And you know they've had you know Muslims speak there, and Bono, who promotes uh, Kenneth Anger, the co-founder of Church of Satan. Uh, we we have a whole video on uh, on Bono, and oh, he's a Christian. He says he goes he goes, hey, I don't have any fruit in my life as a Christian. And the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit. And we show that he's basically basically emergent an emergent prophet. But you're right. We have to make sure we, and, and I love, I quote John 3, 16. I love verse 17 too. He sent his son in the world to condemn the world, that the world through him should be saved. And, and verse, but then there's verse 18, you know, this condemnation that they didn't believe the only begotten son of God. Then there's verses 19 through 21, this condemnation that men love darkness more than light for their deeds were evil. You have to go beyond John three sixteen, And John three sixteen is the, you know, praise God. It's still my, either my favorite verse or one of my favorite verses because here. You know, Get one verse that says so much. It's so beautiful. I've taught on it, and I'll continue, and I quote it all the time. Amen. However, it does say in Second Peter, Peter says we have these magnificent, and precious and magnificent promises. I think it's around verse four that we've been called out of out of the darkness. You know, we've been uh, out of the corrupt world. He says that's run by lust and through the knowledge of Jesus, and we have these precious and magnificent promises, like John three sixteen, for instance. But then he talks about the importance of of, of making our calling an election sure and that we make use of these promises. And then he talks about uh, adding to our faith. Uh, he mentions seven different virtues, like he says, you know, uh, moral excellence and, and knowledge. And he says to add to your moral excellence and enter knowledge, self-control and perseverance and, and godliness. And then I think he mentions brotherly kindness and, and love. And he says by this, he says, you know, you add these things to your faith, you grow in your faith. He says you'll grow. And he says that, uh, uh, if you do this, you won't be unfruitful in the knowledge of Jesus. You don't want to be unfruitful. And he says, those who don't do this, if you don't grow like this, he said, you'll become short-sighted and blind. And then he says in verse 10, you know, make your calling and election sure. And then verse 11, for this abundant entrance into God's kingdom. So uh, like you're saying, that word growth, uh, at the end of First Peter chapter 3, he says, grow in grace. We're saved by grace through faith, and now we're called to grow in grace. And unfortunately, uh, the church has been strong on emphasizing justification by faith, and, and that's a strong emphasis in, in my own ministry. But there's also the emphasis of sanctification, mm-hmm. that God wants us to become more like Jesus. Uh, it says, those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become, for, become come, be conformed to the image of his Son. So when somebody says, hey, what's God's will for our lives? Well, it's his will that says that we be thankful. It says it's his will that we be sanctified, First Thessalonians 4. It also says it's his will in, in Romans eight twenty nine that we're conformed to the image of Jesus, you know, that we become more Christ-like. And, and in Colossians and Ephesians, when it talks about being renewed according to the image of God, it says in righteousness and in truth. So it has to do with gaining more and more spiritual knowledge of what it means to please God and know Him and also to live for Him and apply that knowledge to our lives to where we walk in love and we speak the truth in love and we let Jesus shine through our lives, you know? Amen. And you know, I'm going to be real bold here and this is probably going to take some people off, but if you are one of these people who is very, very baby-like in your faith, first of all, praise God that you even believe in in Jesus. I say praise God for that. But if you are not maturing as you are supposed to, 
And if you are going to listen to some of the secular occultic music on a daily basis, or, or at all for that matter, but generally people who listen to this, they listen to it regularly. You know, well, when I'm at the gym or I'm jogging or whatever, everybody has an excuse. If you're listening to this stuff, chances are you're not going to grow because this is going to stunt your growth spiritually because you're Absolutely. taking in this information. You're taking in bad food. Look at it like this. Okay, if you're trying to grow a plant, think about like a tomato plant. If you hit, hit that thing with miracle Grow. And I know some of you, you know, organic people out there, and I like organic too. So, so just don't bite my head off here. But if you use miracle, <laughs> if you use miracle grow on a tomato plant, it is going to shoot up, and it is going to grow. I mean, we're talking a jungle of tomatoes. I know this from experience. Well, we decided to go organic, okay, uh, this last year, and we grew some tomatoes, and we didn't use miracle grow. We barely got any tomatoes off of that plant, Joe. <laughs> now, I just want to use this to, to create a spiritual analogy. You know, the Bible is like miracle grow for your spirit. It really is. Amen. And if you're not in the word of God, learning the word of God, understanding the word of God, then you are not going to be growing in that area of your life. But if you're listening to the occult music, you're watching, you know, this, this programming on television that's glorifying sex and homosexuality and all this other stuff, what's going to happen is you're going to end up growing in sin rather than growing in the spirit. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Some people aren't going to like me saying that, but I know many of you listening probably listen to some of this music. I sure, I certainly hope not, but I have a feeling that many of my listeners are going to listen to some of this stuff. Beyonce, Lady Gaga, The Beatles. I mean, I'm guilty. I used to listen to The Doors all the time. I loved The Doors. I loved 311. But you know what? I'm watching Joe's film and, and Joe starts breaking down this stuff about 311 being, uh, I believe it was Nick Hexum. What kind of name is that? Hex? Nick Hex? He calls himself Nick Hex. And he's wearing a t-shirt that's promoting Alistair Crowley. I mean, and, and right. after you, yeah. you, look, you presented that to me in your film, Joe, and I got convicted. I have not listened to 311 since. Praise God. Since then, that, since that time too, I mean, he's got a, uh, band members, I don't know how many of them have them, but, uh, tattoos of, uh, Crowley tattoos, literally from, literally promoting Crowley's fames, tattooing his words on their, on their, you know, his symbols and what have you on their bodies as well. Now, wow. Yeah, and these are big bands. Yeah, yeah, of course we're not. You know, we're not. And, and, and I know they hear your heart. We're we're not condemning them, but we're saying, hey, you yourself, uh, if, if people love Jesus, we we want to obey His word more and more. And the Bible tells us, whatever we do in word or deed, we're to do it to God's glory. And we're called to sing psalms and and hymns, and we're commanded to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're supposed to praise Him continually. That doesn't leave a lot of time for uh, godless music. And the Bible says, godless chatter brings more ungodliness. So uh, you're, what you're sharing, Justin, is, hey, if you listen to this godless chatter, this music that's a, a cult-based, that's uh, humanistic, you know, where, and humanism is trusting humanity instead of God. And much music is just about humanism, and it's about, hey, even the love songs are so often about, hey, without you, baby, you know, I'll, I'm going to die, you know. Well, you know, without my wife, and I love her, uh, you know, she's the highest in my heart, second to Jesus, you know, but I'm not going to die. Because Jesus is first in my life. If if my wife was to, to, to die or somehow stop loving me, God forbid, you know. But it gives a warped world view. And the Bible says, you know, woe to those who wake up early morning and drink. And, and then they have their music, it says, but it's not about me. That's in Isaiah chapter 5. And the scriptures say uh, in Psalm 119, the psalmist says, the theme of my music is your, uh, it, the theme of my song is your word. 
your precepts, you know, and that's biblical. I'm quoting a lot of scripture talking about how God, and, and I, I believe God's probably talking to many, many people who are listening to us right now, Justin, who love him and who are saying, it just happened to be tuned in right now. Who are saying, man, God's speaking to me in this area. I want to, I want to grow in this area. I've got to uh, be, you know, I've got some music to get rid of. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 19, it says that, you know, uh, the church at Ephesus they basically, you know, they burned uh, about 50,000 pieces of silver worth of their occult books, you know, the Harry Potter books and so forth. And I'm not saying to go and pollute the environment, you know, these days they probably put you in jail and you'd be the villain if you did that. But uh, you can break your CDs. And I wouldn't give them away because they're, they're, you know, they're basically poison, you know. And what I'm talking about is music that is contrary to God's word, God, music that is done by artists who admit that they're in the occult or who have, you know, views that are contrary to the scripture. Uh, even, you know, atheists, well, you're saying that, you know, in the music of atheists is bad. Well, the scriptures say it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise, the wise, than the song of a fool. The Bible says uh, the fool has said in his heart there's no God. So my Bible tells me, yes, it's better to listen to the rebuke of a wise, the wise than the songs of a fool. And he doesn't want us listening to the songs of the foolish in the Bible are those who are not walking, are those who are walking contrary to the will of God, contrary to the word of God. And there's various gradations of fools in the book of Proverbs, the naive one who doesn't know the difference between good and evil, the, the one who just disobeys God's word. Then there's the one who graduates to the, the mocker fool where he scoffs at God's word. And he, and Second Peter 3 says, in the last days, scoffers, mockers, you know, would arise saying, where's the promise of Christ? And, and a lot of these guys are the ones who are promoting the occult and, and promoting, you know, even Jay-Z has a song praising Lucifer, Son of the Morning, you know? This is the top rap artist in the last 10 years as far as uh, money-making. And he sings all about how, you know, Lucifer had a righteous cause for sinning. A righteous cause for sinning? Uh, so, you know, we were living in a Kanye West, you know, his protege, married to Kim Kardashian, he sings about the coming third eon. Crowley talked about how the third eon would be the eon of Horus, uh, the crowned and conquering child. And with my hawk's head, I peck out the eyes of Jesus as he hangs upon the cross. It was the new age that was supposed to supplant Christianity where the Antichrist would arise. And, and he has a song called Power, uh, Kanye West. And that song Power talks about screams from the 80s, you know, like I guess harking to the artists of the eighties and, and after he sings that, you know, you know, he had Ozzy Osbourne back then singing Mr. Crowley, you hear the theme or do you hear the guitar work from the song, Mr. Crowley, uh, in the background, but it's done with a synthesizer, which is a very popular guitar solo among those who, uh, know guitar work. And he basically takes Brandy Rhodes Crowley guitar solo promoting Alistair Crowley and synthesizes it in his BET performance of power. And uh, so it's interesting, these same themes are coming through, and it has its application to the masses in regard to just, you know, increasing mankind's rebellion against God in regard to uh, simple morality and the transformation of values, but also has the bigger worldview transformation where these guys are actually trying to prepare the world uh, for the Antichrist. I'm not saying they all know exactly what they're doing. Like Yoko Ono said of the Beatles, she said it's like, uh, it was like a uh, seance, you know, four men appeared and joined hands and these, the spirits started speaking through them and they didn't know all that they were seeing. Uh, well, that's happening. The Bible says 
not only do we not wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of the world, but it says that, this, that Satan, the prince and the power of the air, works through the children of disobedience as he guides the course of this world, Ephesians chapter 2, the first few verses. And when we look at what the scriptures say about the spiritual world, and we see it's very real, and we see it's actually happening before our eyes, we shouldn't be terrified. Jesus said, when you see these things happening, Look up, your redemption is drawing near. Uh, we should be getting more and more excited about Christ's return and looking at the signs that herald his coming, looking for the blessed hope of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, when you see all these things come to pass, after he describes different prophetic events that will transpire, he says, then you know that I'm at the door. So we encourage people to, you know, stand up for Jesus and, and realize that he said, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations, then the end will come. So we need to get busy preaching John 3.16, preaching uh, uh, that you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that we're believing shall not perish but have everlasting life. But also you know, tell people to repent, put their trust in Jesus, and then make disciples, Jesus said, of, of, of all, you know, people from all nations. And that means teaching them to observe, he said, whatever I've commanded you. So we need to teach them the Word of God, get them grounded in the Word of God. And it's funny, Justin, you were using a, a Miracle Grow example. I've used that in our church a few times as well. <laughs> I think it's a great example because, um, like you said, the strict organicist will maybe be opposed to it. <laughs> but, exactly. But it's a great picture because, of, of, because God gives us true Miracle Grow that's undiluted, right? I mean, you got the Word of God. You've got the power of His Spirit. He uses His, his discipline on us, the, the example of Jesus, you know. And all these things, and when we look to the cross and, and to Jesus and follow Him, we can't help but grow. And, Amen. Uh, and meditate on His Word day and night, right? We'll be like a tree planted by the water, giving out fruit in due season, and, and we won't wither in times of drought, you know. No, that's so right. That's in a Psalm 1, and also Jeremiah. I'm conflating two passages, but they're beautiful. Now, so, you know, one thing that kind of sticks out to me about about where we are right now on a timeline, uh, you and I both, we're, we're both post-trib, rapture believers. We see some of this stuff as really pushing us into the great falling away. We really see the, this false Christianity that's being preached today. And I think one of the dangerous things right now is we, we see like Justin Bieber and Jay-Z, uh, Beyonce and Kanye, you know, they're, they're buddying up with Hillsong Church, uh, New York. That's right. You know, they've, right. they've made jokes. The pastor has made jokes about, well, I've had a secret Illuminati meeting with Jay-Z. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just going to say it like this. The Hillsong Church, although I have really worshipped, I've worshipped the true God with some of the music that they've recorded, uh, some of the Hillsong United. I've been to their concert before and I worship the Lord there. Um, but when we go behind the music, we have to start questioning now whether or not we should be listening to some of their music because the pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong Church, you know, I've got I've got the recording, I broadcasted it of him saying that we all worship the same God, Jews, Muslims, and yes, Christians. Muslims, right. You know, nobody is exempt from Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's the only way to the Father, period. No buts, no ifs, no question there, no gray area. Christ alone, period. So for him to come out and say that without, you know, we, they don't need Jesus, you know, they all worship, you know, Abba, Abba, Allah, you know, he, he went on this little rampage about it. You know, that's not godly, you know, and now they're buddying up yeah. with, they're buddying up on the homosexual agenda at the New York church, uh, allowing homosexuals to be a part of the worship team and, you know, and Jay-Z's buddies with them, probably giving them a lot of money and Justin Bieber. What are your thoughts on the whole Justin Bieber, Jay-Z, you know, being representatives of the new church? Well, I just uh, wrote an article. It was a Christian Post or one of the uh, big Christian newspapers had uh, online p- media outlets had uh, printed it on uh, Justin Bieber. 
Uh, and I had never done anything actually on Justin Bieber before, but uh, because he was brought up on The View, the women's program, uh, morning program, and uh, he was promoted. And, and uh, one of the ladies said, I read the interview with him in this magazine, and he sounds really arrogant about his, you know, his supposed relationship with God and so forth. And then another gal in the view says, oh, actually, he's quoting scripture, you know. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, nobody can separate me from the love of God and so forth. And, and he wasn't being arrogant. And then the lady goes, oh, and the cloud applauded like she corrected her. And I was like, no. And you go and read that interview and you look at what he said there. Uh, he talked about how, because uh, in, in my article, I talk about different things uh, he's been involved in just even after that interview where he's, you know, he appears to be drinking, uh, hard liquor on stage. You know, I mentioned the name of the, the liquor and if he's not, he's, it's water and he's just using a bottle and squirting at people. Uh, he's still promoting it, whether it's water in there or not. He, he claimed it was water. And then another point, uh, he takes a, a joint. He's got a cigarette in one hand. He takes a joint from another artist. He turns around as though he's token on it. Turns his back to the crowd. It's all after these interviews, and and in the interviews, they you know he was just uh, accused too by a gal. Uh, I think she was eighteen, nineteen years old, of uh, you know basically somebody putting something in her drink in Australia at his party. She said that she felt that he had spiked the drink because he was hitting on her right after that. I'm not saying he did, and he said you know I guess as we reported, oh he's just trying to take care of her and what have you. I don't think he'd have to do that with a gal because of all his fame and so forth. But just interesting that that was all the news prior or subsequent to this interview. And right before the interview, he was accused by a, a Playboy bunny of groping her. And so he's involved in all these uh, things. He's been arrested. He's pelted a, a big home next to his house with a bunch of raw eggs. And they came to his house and they found illicit illegal drugs and arrested him and so forth. And it seems like every time he gets in trouble, you know, he uh, has this new epiphany uh, to follow Jesus, but the Bible says we're supposed to, you know, test everything, hold fast that which is good, and you'll know them by their fruit, and he claims to be a spokesman for Jesus now, and he claims that he is, uh, you know, that, that he's going to do it his own way and what have you, And but when you go to that interview where he talks about, you know, nothing can separate me from the love of God, well, that verse applies to those who are in Christ in, in Romans chapter 11. Those who are in Christ, it says, you know, uh, are we in Christ? You know, we need to make sure we're in Jesus. And, and it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that Christ is in you unless you are a reprobate, a dokamos. You know, examine yourself, it says, to see if Christ is in you. If you're living a wicked life, what's interesting, right, he, he says, hey, you know what, when they ask him, is he concerned and so forth, he says, hey, you know, I did all these different things. He starts talking about all these terrible things he did. And he said, but I wouldn't change any of those things. He goes, what? you know. He goes, he goes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any of those things over, over again. And if you're really repentant, you're sorry that you did things bad. You, if, if, if you beat someone up, you know, uh, you're sorry. And if you had the chance to do it over again, you wouldn't do it, you know? So he basically uses grace as a license. And one of his mentors is teaching that, hey, you're, you're forgiven even your future sins. You don't have to confess them uh, in the future and so forth. So he doesn't, he, he's been taught theology by some of these leaders that he's under, uh, to, to believe that, you know, he could just do whatever he wants, do what thou wilt in the church, basically. And he's living like that, and he's a horrendous example for a lot of young people. I've warned people all along, Britney Spears claiming to be Christian. I, I was warning people when I was making the updated, an updated version of They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll some time ago, and I was dealing with Britney Spears and so forth. In the video bay next to me where I was working, there was a 
all these little kids in this video that were talking about how they want to be like Britney Spears. This is some years ago, obviously. And I was horrified and because it was a church video down at a mega church uh, in the town where I was cutting video. And in that video, there every kid, every single kid that came up, they said, who's your role model? It was Britney Spears. And in the next video, Bay, I'm showing where she's talking, you know, throwing off her clothes, singing about basically living a lascivious life. And then she went deeper down the broad road and ends up at a mental hospital, shaves her head, uh, the medical practitioners, nurses, and stuff said she inscribed 666 on her forehead. Whether she actually did that or not, we show her 666 written on her shirt, you know, at a certain point. But then all of a sudden, I was one of the people I said, hey, you see what happened to Brittany? The same thing's going to happen, I believe, with Hannah Montana, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this artist. And I'd warn people that I was even close to, hey, you're letting your kids watch that. I'd be really careful. Well, she claims to be a Christian, and now she's the most raunchy person out there. I mean, the most sexually perverse, promoting ecstasy, Molly, yep. cocaine, seeing about doing lines in the bathroom or people doing lines in the bathroom. Uh, and, it, and, you know, how many millions of kids, you know, they love these people, and their parents think they're good Christian role models. And it breaks my heart because the parents don't see this coming, but Satan is very sophisticated. And before you know it, this person who... Often, these artists often mean more than mom and dad to these kids because they spend more quality time with them, you know, and they get their hearts, and all of a sudden, their moral compass is skewed, and all of a sudden, they're following them down this broad road to destruction. And I, I, I believe the same thing has been happening with Justin Bieber. I mean, he's pretty obvious now, but since he's claiming to follow Christ, and he has that Hillsong connection, I'm incredibly concerned about Hillsong and the directions uh, it has taken, not only with, as you've mentioned, uh, I guess they denied that he was actually in the band with the other guy or in the uh, in the worship team, but then later it came out that the pastor actually had done an interview uh, several months prior where he admitted that he knew he was homosexual uh, in the band and what have you. And, and he's kind of he's kind of big headed about it too. Like the way when he, he I saw him, he got uh, interviewed by um, Huffington Post, and he was very arrogant, um, as if he was as if he knew the the true interpretation of scripture and nobody else did. Uh, he kind of spoke down to those people that you know, oh, you don't need to worry about that stuff. You know, you need to draw them to Christ. Okay, well, you don't draw someone to Christ and not deal with sin. Christ always dealt with sin. Absolutely. You know, the scriptures that tell us to draw to, close to Christ, uh, for instance, in Hebrews 10, in that same chapter where it talks about drawing to, to him and so forth, and it has your strongest warnings against apostasy, you know, as well. <laughs> so, you, you know, in the scriptures that say, draw near to the Lord, he'll draw near to you, it says this, the very next, same part of that verse is resist the devil, and, and, and you know, he will flee. So, well, no, you're uh, right. It Lord, is. We have to resist. And, you know, the Lord will always Amen. give us a way out. If, if we have the heart to resist, if we literally are, if we try to resist, he will flee. The scripture says that. And I just want to sum up a couple of quick things here. I know we're, we're almost out of time here. Um, but the idea that Justin Bieber said that, you know, he's not sorry for what he's done in the past. OK, well, the scripture and the Sermon on the Mount, you know, we, we see blessed are those who mourn uh, for they will be comforted. I, Amen, I, I, I broke this down. That's really dealing specifically with mourning over your sin from my research. Everything that I've researched. I agree with you. Amen. I mourn over my sin when I came to the Lord. And now if I, if I make a mistake, if I, if I commit a sin, even if it's just thinking something negative about somebody in traffic, I, I literally, I, I get heartbroken and the rest of my day feels like it just got dumped on. Um, you know, right. No. And I believe your interpretation is right there in certain amount because just prior to that, the very first beatitude that Jesus gives is the entry point into the kingdom is to be poor in spirit, recognizing that you're not self-sufficient, that you're not getting on, you know, you're, you're not getting by pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. And God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. And, and certainly if a little bit later, yeah, blessed are those who mourn. Yeah, you have to, you have to, and in James, uh, which is kind of the, 
the, the passage I mentioned in James chapter 4 uh, that, that you drew a beautiful parallel passage to in James 4 when he talks about you know, God giving grace to humble and, uh, and resisting the proud. And he talks about drawing near to him and the, you know, resisting the devil and he'll flee from you. It goes on to say, you know, turn your laughter in the morning, you know, yeah. and weep and howl over your sin. Exactly. You know? uh, so this is a very important part of the Christian faith. And right now, uh, it's basically Justin Bieber and these guys are smuggling the philosophy of do what thou wilt, Satanism into the church. And they have a bunch of apologists, uh, Christian leaders now, that are apologists for the wicked. And I would love to see him repent and get right for, with God if, if Justin Bieber truly renounces. Uh, I mean, he just came out with an album right after that as well, which is lascivious as well. Uh, if he repents and says, I renounce what I've been doing and how I've been leading young people down this broad road to destruction, yeah, I'll, be the, I'll be one of the first guys that jumps up and applauds him and says, praise God and more power to you in Jesus and what have you. But what we're seeing is this very deceptive thing going on. And, and unfortunately, you're seeing... Uh, uh, music is a big part of it, not only with uh, Hillsong and uh, even uh, Bethel. You know, you got the same kind of thing going on in the Jesus culture there, uh, singing about, hey, uh, one of the lines of their songs is, you know, there's no condemnation even if I run away from him. As I, as, as I said before, the scriptures talk about uh, that, that promises for those who are in Christ, and Jesus talked about abiding in him in John 15 uh, and the importance of, of being in Christ. And that's where we have to look when it says to examine yourself to see if Jesus lives in you. It says, it says he's in you. You know, if, if Jesus lives in you, it's if you're not reprobate. If someone becomes reprobate, they need to examine their faith and say, hey, have I truly turned to Jesus? Right. Or, am I, or am I abiding in Jesus? You know, am I really following him? Uh, and, 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 and continuing in the faith, you know? So no, that's what we're are, seeing, though. It's I mean, a great topic that you brought up. I mean, I didn't have any idea where this conversation was going to go, and it's gone into some very important issues in the church right now. You so know, and I'm not telling every. Oh, praise God, absolutely. And that's one thing I like about you, Joe, is that you know, you you really you break things down. Uh, the popular things that are being pushed on everybody, uh, you know, these things that are meant to pacify the masses, you take them and you break them down biblically, um, you know, and, and at, at goodfight.org, your website, you've got on the front page, uh, you've got the latest update showing the, a link to the article. It's entitled, Is Justin Bieber a Legit Spokesman? For Jesus, and I recommend everybody going over there and checking out Good Fight. Uh, again, I just want to say, if you're listening to something, just because you don't hear any negative lyrics does not mean that it's not demonically charged. Because you go back to the Beach Boys, one other thing that you mentioned in your film was that uh, I think it was Brian Wilson said, well, you know, we were just making witchcraft music. He, right, he admitted, right. there, you know, they were making music that was witchcraft music. And, you know, you listen to the Beach Boys and it's like, wow, this is just really good, feel good music. Nothing witchcraft about it. Uh-uh. They're going to tell you otherwise. They're going to tell you that they have slipped it in. Just like John Lennon said, they take doctrine and they dip it in honey. So that's right. In fact, they were taking the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, a occultist that said, don't just get in touch with some of the forces out there, but through meditation, get in touch with all of these spirits, you know, absolutely demons. Uh, and they were taking him the beach boys were taking him on tours to speak to their audiences. Satan uses a lot of different people. It's hard not to inspect people's fruit. And especially when something yeah, is so ma- we, we do. And I want to say I inspect fruit every week. Okay. But I want to tell everybody the most important fruit that you need to be expecting is your own. And you know, you absolutely. Have- Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus said, and a lot of people love the quote, you know, Matthew seven, one, uh, you know, judge not lest you be judged. Uh, and then they, but 
then that's the favorite verse. That's the only verse the world has memorized, you know, in the liberals. Uh, but what they do, they don't do is they don't go beyond that verse where, uh, you know, he goes on to talk about first remove the speck out of your eye, which comes back to, and I appreciate what you're saying there, uh, brother, because uh, after you remove the speck from your eye, because you need to look at yourself first, then help your brother mm-hmm. being be, be involved in, uh, in, in trying to help each other in our walks is there needs to be loving confrontation of now, unfortunately there's people that all hear those scriptures, see these scriptures, scriptures where Jesus says judge with righteous judgment. And they'll use those scriptures to beat people up and they're not loving them. And they're maybe they've got their own internal problems and they're having a holier than thou attitude. That's wicked. That's wrong. That's the person that needs to fall on the face and say, God, help me to have a right heart before you and help me love people enough to encourage them in the faith. Uh, but if I see a brother or sister that is running into rebellion, we need to love them enough and so to restore them in a spirit of gentleness and, and being and watching our own selves lest we too be tempted. So we have to uh, be very c- careful about that. But right after he says, judge not be, lest you be judged, he talks about removing that speck from the brother's eye after you've removed the beam from your own eye because if you've got a beam in your eye, you're going to hurt the other guy's eye. You try to help him. And then he says, after you've done that, then he goes on to talk about making all kinds of judgments, not casting your pearls before swine, uh, not casting that which is holy before dogs, two different roads, one narrow, one broad, uh, how to test, fall, test the prophets and examine their fruit. He said to inspect their fruit to see whether or not they're from God. Uh, you know, talked about building your house on a rock versus the sand, making all kinds of different judgments in the Sermon on the Mount there. Uh, it's interesting uh, to me as well is that when he encourages us to uh, Test it. Some say, oh, well, that's just the prophets. You know, we're not supposed to be looking at the lives of other Christians. We're supposed to just blindly fellowship with anybody and, and what have you. Well, the Bible says in First John chapter 3 that the children of God are obvious and the children of the devil are obvious. Those who do not practice righteousness are, not, are of the devil. And it says in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, he says, uh, know this, that in the last days, latter times, some will depart from... I'm sorry, that's in First Timothy 4.1. 2 Timothy 3.1, uh, let me get my memory... And jockeyed there. Uh, it says uh, in the latter days, or it says, you know, in the last days, terrible times or perilous in the King James will come, and men will be lovers of self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, parents, unthankful, and holy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusing, standing fierce, despise others, again, on and on. And it says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. So we have to be aware that there's people who have a form of godliness, they claim to be Christians, but they deny God's power, they're, they're lovers of self, they're living a wicked life. And he says, from such, turn away. Part of our following Jesus and following his word is making sure that we're fellowshipping with other Christians that are sincerely following him, because the Bible says bad company will corrupt good morals. Uh, one sinner can do much harm. Uh, I mean, it could take, take, take quite a while to build a, a sandcastle, a nice sandcastle on the beach, uh, it doesn't take much for a, a bully to come by and kick it down. And we we allow our kids to hang out with those who are into, uh, and a ton of kids are, most kids are, unfortunately, they sexual perversion, internet porn. And we let them hang out privately with these other kids. Parents need to be very careful because their kids can be corrupted. All the work they've done could be corrupted pretty quickly if they allow these influences in. So I'm just really concerned for the church. I'm concerned for the young people uh, and that as, as parents that we're bringing them up with Jesus, that we're going the extra mile, that we're caring enough about them to spend time with them, to, to read the word to them and, and to love them and, and uh, making sure that we're not so caught up in entertainment that we don't have time for them. And then the, enter, enter, the enemy's entertaining them to hell, you know? So we got to take this stuff seriously. And, and uh, I know because I'm in God's word and I, and I know his heartbeat. I'm on my knees that his heart cries 
when he sends Elijah or, uh, you know, whoever that will be, uh, you know, Elijah at least a type or a picture of one of those two witnesses, it says his heart will, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers. So when that time comes and uh, some, one of these two witnesses, at least one of the two witnesses that appears in, in, in Jerusalem in the end times, one of his ministers to turn the family back to each other, but it starts with the hearts of the father before the hearts of the children. So dads, moms, you need to make sure that you're spending quality time with your children and bringing them of Jesus and loving them and encouraging them to be found on the rock and being patient with them. They're, they're fallen. They're, they're, they're made of dust and their frames are weak. So we need to be cognizant of that, but we need to love them and, and, uh, and, and, to, and really fulfill the Lord's command to train them up in the way they should go so that when they're older, they won't depart. I just want to say if you're listening right now and you think it's possible that you've been bewitched by by the music, uh, and I, and I said the same thing when I when I broke down magic, uh, how there's real magicians out there that are bewitching people with real satanic magic tricks. Um, if you've been bewitched, or you think maybe you've been bewitched, just get on your knees and pray and say, Father, please show me and convict me of the things I've been doing that have allowed me to be bewitched. Just Amen. like Simon the sorcerer did. You know, we have to be like the people in the book of Acts. When they got saved, they came together. They brought together all of their witchcraft books and their witchcraft manuals, and they burned them. And that's what we have to Amen. do. You know, we have to destroy anything that we've brought into our lives that is dishonoring the Lord and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just want to say thank you so much to Joe. You've encouraged me in my ministry over the years. Uh, I mean, I, I heard about oh, you. encouraged me as well, bro. But man, thank you so much for coming on the Fourth Watch. Um, it is a honor and a pleasure and a blessing. I just want to thank you very much, Justin, for your ministry. And I could, man, I just feel such a kindred heart in a fellowship with you on the phone, and and it's made my day because it's like, praise God, there's that remnant out there that God's rising up people with a voice that are speaking the truth, and we're we're saying the same thing. Uh, and it's because we're our minds are held captive to the Word of God, and we want to please Him, and we love Him. So it's been a blessing to me, a time of refreshing. I just encourage uh, people to that have heard this, and I know I, we talk kind of fast. I knew we don't have so much time, so I'm one of those guys who uh, hopes people can re-listen so forth and get more info. But I just hope people listen to it again and, and write down the things that take stock of areas of their life where God might be addressing them. And let's all go forward. Let's rise up more and more spokesmen. Uh, Daniel chapter 11 says that God would rise up people in the end times to do mighty exploits that, for his name. And uh, praise God, he's doing just that. And what a privilege it is to uh, be uh, able to serve the Lord and to be saved. And, and just let's rejoice in our salvation. Let's uh, avoid uh, sin that can easily entangle us and keep us eyes on Jesus and finish the race. And hear, well done, good and faithful servants when it's all over. Amen. That's what it's about, pleasing our Father. So, ladies and gentlemen, once Amen. again, this has been Joe Schimmel of Good Fight Ministries. That is goodfight.org. Tons of awesome stuff on the website. A great, I mean, just the materials on there, the articles, the DVDs. I mean, this guy covers everything. I mean, he covered Robin Williams' suicide as being demonically related. Awesome stuff. Goodfight.org. Praise God. God bless you. All right, God bless you, you too. Bye-bye. Wow, that was awesome. And I really appreciate Joe and all that he does in fighting the good fight. Now, I want to move us into our Bible study segment. I know a few weeks back we were studying some of the heroes of faith or what some call the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But tonight I want to talk about faith a little deeper and from a different angle. I want to examine the type of lifestyle that reflects or even broadcasts true living faith. You see, your life is made up of a large series of decisions and actions that you have to make. 
Our actions will either honor God or they won't, simply put. So are your decisions currently proving your faith? Are you exercising your faith in all that you do? Or are you giving into the works of darkness? These are questions that we all need to ask as we examine our lives and as we examine our faith. I want to talk about a supernatural story that comes from the ancient world where faith was exercised through godly behaviors and godly decisions. And it involved young men taking a stand for God. And you see, in this particular event, doing the right thing was more important to these men than their own lives. It sounds pretty heavy, I know. That's because it is heavy. You see, the faith of the Hebrew boys in the book of Daniel was so strong and bold for the Lord that all of their actions proved their faith. Or you could even say that their actions and decisions justified or demonstrated their faith. See, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 tonight. And here's a little backstory on what was going on. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream that was sent by God. And at this time, he was in control of Jerusalem and even had a large group of Hebrew boys to be trained in his court as to the education and the ways of Babylon. Not to go on a tangent, but Nebuchadnezzar was in charge. And when he had this dream, none of his wise men could interpret it. And so here comes Daniel being led by God, and he was able to interpret the dream. But afterwards, Nebuchadnezzar turned around and he had a statue built. It was made out of gold. And this statue was built to represent the statue that he saw in his dream. And it was an idol, a really big idol. And he called all of his men together and made a decree that any time the trumpets and the instruments sounded, that any time the music played, everyone had to bow down and worship the statue. Of course, this went directly against the faith of the Hebrews, who followed the one true God. So the decree had been made, and music is sounding, but guess what? The four Hebrews who were actually faithful, they refused to bow down and to worship the statue. Now, Daniel was set up as a ruler, but the other three faithful Hebrews were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they also had jobs working in the king's court. But let's see what happened when they wouldn't worship the idol. We're going to head over to Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So Nebuchadnezzar's men came to him and reminded him of his decree. They said, Hey king, remember the law you just made? That everyone should bow down and worship your statue whenever the music sounds? And by the way, O king, you also said that anyone who does not bow down and worship your statue when the music sounds, they should be burned in the fiery furnace. Well, we hate to break it to you, O king, but there are three Hebrew boys who currently work for you, and they refuse to bow down. So we have these men coming and publicly challenging the king. That's what's going on here. They throw the decree back in his face, and they remind him that the punishment is death by fire. And by then accusing the three Hebrew boys publicly, they were actually putting Nebuchadnezzar on the spot. 
and they were calling his hand to judgment. It would make sense that the king would have been pretty angry about this. And then we see Nebuchadnezzar's reaction when we get to verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So the king calls the three Hebrew boys, and he is furious, absolutely inflamed. And the text actually says, in his rage and fury, he commanded them to be brought to him. That's hardcore, ladies and gentlemen. In modern terms, he was ready to purge or kill these kids. So they came before him, and he asked them, is it true? He said, is it true that you're not bowing down and worshiping my golden idol? Surely you're not playing those cards, he says. He said, it will be good for you to go ahead and bow down and worship next time you hear the music or else you will be burned alive and there is no God anywhere that can save you. That's what Nebuchadnezzar told the three boys. So their lives were being threatened unless they bowed down to worship the statue. You see, their life and liberty was contingent upon their worship of this golden idol. But their response is pretty powerful. This, this one always gets me. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. <laughs> their response could not have been more belittling and disrespectful. They said, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. That's like them saying, we don't have to even think about it. Our minds were made up before you even called us here. <laughs> I mean, this is like, this is like spitting in Nebuchadnezzar's face. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, okay, we hear you, Papa Smurf, but we really don't give a monkey's knuckle what you think because our God is the real deal and you're not even a flea compared to our God. They said, throw us in your fiery furnace. We don't care. Our God has the power to deliver us out of it. But even if he chooses not to deliver us, we would never bow down to your stupid statue. I'd say Nebuchadnezzar's probably getting pretty ticked off. Verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar was enraged, and the visage of his face was changed. This is an old English term, and it literally means that the expression on his face was transformed against the Hebrew boys in his fury. Major transformation there. 
So Nebuchadnezzar ordered for the fiery furnace to be heated up seven times hotter than it was usually heated. That's how angry he was. He said, heat it up seven times hotter than we normally heat it. He was publicly trying to make an example of these Hebrew boys. That would scare anyone out of challenging his laws ever again. And the boys didn't waver in their faith. You see, their actions, their decisions declared holiness and righteousness unto God. It goes on to explain that it was so hot that the men who escorted the Hebrews into the furnace actually got burned up and died. Literally, the flames were so hot. By the time they got to the gate of the furnace, the men died, but not the Hebrew boys. This is amazing. You see, when we continue reading, we see that the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, miraculously showed up in that fire and he delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from being burned. They're walking around in the fire. Their bindings had burned up. And here comes Jesus Christ in the midst of the fire. This is such a powerful story. I encourage everyone to go back and read the entire story. It's unbelievable. And it shows God's power. It shows the power of our holy God. But the highlight that I want to focus on tonight is that their faith never wavered. You see, they weren't scared of dying because they personally knew the living God. They didn't give in. They didn't crumble to the cultural laws that went against their faith. You see, they made their decisions based on the word of God. They knew that they could never bow down and worship any other God besides Yahweh. But the situation that we face in our modern world is that so many of us crumble on a daily basis in our society. Some of you may give in to sin at the request of your friends, maybe your coworkers, or maybe you give in to sin by the request of your spouse or your significant other. Oftentimes, we're tempted by other people, and many of you would rather give in to sin than to take a stand for God. And of course, there's the other times that we're tempted by demons, and there's no one else involved. But oftentimes, people will waver in any of these situations, whether you're being tempted by people or by demons, because it all goes back to spiritual wickedness. Anytime you're tempted, whether it be demons directly or your friends, your family, it doesn't matter. It all goes back to spiritual wickedness and high places. We're dealing with principalities. We're dealing with demon spirits. You know, I realize that your friends aren't tempting you to bow down and worship a statue. But let me tell you, people will tempt you to do a number of other ungodly things. They will tempt you to make decisions that dishonor Christ. The time is fast approaching when the governments will be forcing people to do all kinds of ungodly things and even taking the mark of the beast. And we're already seeing this happen with the homosexual agenda, oppressing churches and Christian businesses. But no matter what the situation may be, if it dishonors God, you should make the decision not to do it. Your actions are reflections of your faith. Let me say that again. Your actions are reflections of your faith. I remember talking to someone a while back and she told me that she was a liberal Christian. I said, what do you mean you're a liberal Christian? I don't quite understand that terminology. She said that there are many active Christians who don't understand her logic when it comes to her stances. And I told her that a real Christian exercises faith that is based on the Bible. Therefore, a real Christian's logic would be based on scripture. 
So taking this further, a born-again, Bible-believing Christian or a true Christian will always make their decisions or base their logic solely on the Word of God, period. The three Hebrew boys based their logic and based their decision-making on God's Word, and their lives were on the line. You see, our lives aren't even on the line. And many of you professing Christians are making decisions that dishonor God and even on a daily basis for some of you. And it's not even threatening your life. You're just doing it out of the simple pleasure of sinning. We need to remember that our faith is represented by the lives we live. In Matthew 7:16, Jesus actually tells us that we will know a man by his fruit. What is your fruit looking like? If you labor in the things of the world, then your fruits are going to show that. But if you labor in things of God, your fruits are going to show that. It's really easy to profess Christianity, but the challenge comes into play when we begin living it out. Every time I'm reminded of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm reminded of the standard in which we are to live by. A standard of unwavering faith and the Most High God, a standard that reflects and broadcasts real living faith in Jesus Christ. Not bending, not growing weary, but persevering and standing for the gospel and believing God for His promises. And I truly hope that you will be challenged by this biblical picture of faith where the lives of these boys were threatened. They were told You're going to bow down and worship our God or you're going to die. What would you do? I want to encourage you to just take a moment and thank God for making such a faith available for all who seek it in Jesus Christ. Pray that your faith would exceed the challenges that you face. Praise God for giving us His Word so that we can learn and grow from it, just like we've done tonight. Ask for the grace to be able to resist the temptations that come your way and to be able to take a bold stand for Christ. And as always, pray for wisdom and discernment as you grow each day in the knowledge and saving grace of Jesus Christ Yeshua. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted His holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it's absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of His Word. It's impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it's impossible to have peace with Yahweh Elohim the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. You see, the Bible declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Because of Jesus Christ Yeshua and His once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but He's also rich in mercy 
And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, he's willing to show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. But as it says in Romans 6.23, only through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no other way to come to God, folks. There's no other way to get salvation. You can't earn your salvation by good works. Fact is, Jesus Christ is the only way. Every other way, folks, leads to hell. There's no authentic way to the Father but Jesus Christ Yeshua. I'm so thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross, a living sacrifice, and shed His sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins and the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you're filled with the Holy Spirit and begin putting on the armor of God and growing into an intimate relationship with Him. It's the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, get one and learn firsthand what God expects from you. Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on Him tonight. That's the most important part of the show, and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived in high-quality streams on my website. FourthWatchRadio.blogspot.com. That's the number four, T H W A T C H R A D I O dot B L O G S P O T dot com. FourthWatchRadio.blogspot.com. There you'll find every broadcast dated and summarized for your convenience. Be sure to scroll all the way down on each page and click on the words older posts to be taken to more pages of archived shows. You can also find my shows broadcasted by the Fourth Watch Radio Network on Shoutcast, Spreaker, iTunes, or if you have an iPhone, iPad, or Android, you can download the 4th Watch Radio Network app and enjoy easy streaming. For higher quality broadcasts, stay tuned in via 4thWatchRadio.blogspot.com for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the 4th Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.